Welcome to the Storyteller Series, a Night Shift Radio Original. I'm your editor, Mike. Today's story is written by Alicia Kay and is titled Event 7. Our narrator is played by Sophie Flack, Bran by Joseph Boslinski, Richard by Corey Holland, Marlo is played by Lian Ning, and the nurse is played by Elise Stevens. This episode is produced by Josh Coy and directed and edited by Mike Wine Jr. For more information and to read our print edition, please visit nightshiftradio.com. You can also get info on all Nightshift Radio shows by signing up for a weekly newsletter in the show notes of this episode. You are about to enter a world unlike any other, a world where terror and imagination collide, where nearly anything is possible. This is Nightshift Radio Presents Suspense. I'm your host, Caleb. Allow me to welcome you back to the theater of the mind as we bring you this classic series from the golden age of radio. We've resurrected all of the available original episodes, unaltered, for the sole purpose of introducing a new generation of listeners to this magical world. Dubbed Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills, Suspense originally ran from 1940 through 1962, culminating in 946 episodes and featuring renowned voice talent from the worlds of cinema and radio. The many tales of suspense span across mystery, sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, all sharing the common goal of hooking the listener until the very end. It is my sincere hope that this show can inspire and entertain you as it did my younger self and so many others. So be sure to subscribe for new episodes daily, wherever you get podcasts. And now, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and set your imagination free in a world of mystery, intrigue, and yes, Suspense. Please, enjoy our story. Bran Creasy watched Amelia Earhart's plane burst into flames for the tenth time that day. He'd tried every filter and editing technique he could think of, but it was still there. An anomaly, smack dab in the middle of his footage. He sighed took a swig of his gone-cold coffee, then scrolled back through the video. He'd been working on the raw footage of Earhart's last flight on July 2nd, 1937, for the past three hours. But right as her plane nosedived, the footage blurred, and a splitting line of static appeared with a sharp vertical flash of... something. Bran squinted at the screen. Was it interference from the storm? That didn't make sense. The time-trip drones were advanced enough to compensate for such nominal things. No, he had seen this before, although it had never messed with the actual view of the event. Was the data being corrupted during the drone's hibernation? Bran rubbed his temples. Either way, if he didn't get this done right, his boss would have his ass, or worse, his job. He leaned back in his office chair and flipped a quarter across his knuckles. Grandpa's coin. From back when they'd used physical money. Bran bit at his lower lip. If he couldn't fix this, he'd have to pitch the footage over to the FX guys. The thought of sharing the film's credits pained him. Everyone in the world watched the time trips and saw his name. No way he wanted to share the spotlight. The quarter slipped from Bran's hand and onto the desk with a clatter. Damn. He scrolled the footage back again. Maybe I can cut around you. A chime alerted and the door to the editing lab swished open behind him. Hey, you Bran. Richard said. Bran swiveled his chair around. Richard unbuttoned the jacket of his Gucci navy pinstripe suit as he sat on the edge of the desk. They released the trailer for E6. Richard grinned his lopsided smile. Looks good. Bran laughed. His best friend might be the lead scientist at Tempest Court, but to Bran, he was still the same goofball he'd been in college. Yeah, the footage is being a ripe pain, though. Bran pinched the bridge of his nose. I've got some interference or something that's clouding up the event. No one will want to pay to watch a bunch of static when Miss E's plane nosedives in a ball of flames. Bran worked his quarter across the back of his fingers. Richard pointed to the line of static on the paused video. Light pollution, maybe? In the middle of the Pacific Ocean? 
Bren shooed Richard's hand away. Listen, you handle the time trips. I'll handle the editing. Richard chuckled. <laughs> anyway, I'm headed out. Wanted to make sure we're still on for drinks. He buttoned his jacket and smoothed down his black and teal striped tie. I'll meet you there about six, Bran said. Oh, and uh, you still owe me that drink. You can't wager on the time trips when you've seen the footage before everyone else. Richard called back as the door slid closed behind him. Yeah, right. Bran knew there hadn't been a second shooter even before he'd seen the drone video of JFK's assassination. No one claimed the $2 million jackpot on the main event that night. Nobody had seen that one coming. Bran headed to the safe in the corner of the room. He swiped his badge, entered his code and the safe clicked open. Bran pulled the raw footage for events 4 and 5. He pushed E4's chip into the reader and hit play. All right, pilgrims. Let's see what you've got to say for yourselves. The time-trip drones perched in the trees above the Roanoke colony six minutes before the settlers met their doom, and... There it was. At exactly one minute, five seconds before the main event, a vertical flash of static had appeared. This one spanned three frames, too fast for anyone to notice unless they were looking for it. He'd ignored it before because it had been easy to edit around. But now, Bran stopped on the centre frame of the anomaly. What was that? A shudder ran down his spine. A dark crack had flashed open behind the line of static. Then it was gone. He sat up and scrolled through E5's footage. This time the anomaly appeared at 4 minutes 18 seconds after the drones appeared to capture the Lindbergh baby kidnapping and 1 minute 13 seconds before the culprit looked right at the camera revealing her identity then crawled down the ladder with a bundled toddler in her arms. This anomaly was slower and covered five frames. Bran froze the footage on the third frame. Behind the static was a slit. Like a sideways eye, a crack of pitch black. Bran's hand froze, his coffee cup halfway to his mouth. In the centre of the sideways eye, where the pupil would be, were six long appendages of some sort. They looked like insect legs, or... He peered at the screen. What is that? Bran took a seat at the bar and pulled out his tablet. The inside of the tav was softly lit, covered in warm wood, and two video screens mounted above the back of the bar lent their flickering light to the dim interior. If you worked for Tempest Court, you hung out here. It was almost a rule. Plus... The bouncers did a good job of keeping time trip fans out. Those awesome nut jobs convinced that time travel was bringing about the end of days. Or worse, people looking to gleam secrets about the next event. Betting on time trips was big business, and some folks were willing to do anything for information. Bran snapped a picture of himself holding up a glass of expensive scotch for his iMedia page. He hated the taste of scotch, but he was all about cultivating an image. He tagged and posted his picture and attached it to the Event 6 trailer. People followed him because of where he worked, and it made him feel special to be involved. He was second in line for viewing the historical events. After the scientists, who got to watch it first. But all he really did was prepare the footage for the paying public. Then another version, still heavily edited but longer, for historians and world scientists who got special viewing privileges. Brand's followers might think his position was an exclusive one, but he only had access to the editing room at work. He'd never even seen the lab where Richard worked, or the trip machine. The news blared from one of the TVs. Bran pulled out his quarter and scrolled it over his knuckles. Hey, man, Richard said. Bran greeted his friend as Richard took the stool next to him. Richard had on the same Gucci suit from earlier, only... Bran laughed. <laughs> Got a hot date, or did you spill coffee on yourself? Richard looked down at his clothes. No, why? Oh, you changed your tie just to have drinks with me? Why, I'm flattered. Richard smoothed down his wide royal blue tie. This is the same one I've had on all day. No? Bran shook his head. You had on the black one with the teal stripes. How many of these have you had so far? Richard picked up Bran's glass. He swirled the scotch in it, then raised the glass at the bartender. The bartender nodded back. Bran shook his head. I must have been distracted. You remember that static problem I was working on in E6? The light pollution thing? Richard said. 
The bartender delivered Richard's drink. Bran waited for him to leave, then glanced around the room. He leaned close to Richard. It isn't light pollution. Clearly. Richard said. Yeah. Bran said. No, it's an anomaly of some sort. The thing is, I pulled some previous footage from E4 and E5. Richard frowned. Because you can't salvage the footage from E6? There'll be hell to pay if you can't. You know how much a time trip costs? I know. I know. Bran said. So what is it? Is the data being corrupted during hibernation? Bran wanted to tell his friend what he'd seen, but with Richard, he knew to tread lightly. I don't think so. I'm not sure. When I slowed the video down, I saw something in one of the frames. Behind the static, there's this dark spot. I don't know. Bran took a sip of his drink. It burned all the way down into his empty stomach. He looked around the tav again. Thing is, it's in all three of the events that I checked. Shit. Richard took a swig of his scotch. You're going to have to tell Douglas. My entire department is going to need to know about this. If there's some interference our equipment is causing or... Or something else. Bran said. What else? Richard said, scowling. Bran held up his hands. I'm not saying there's a problem. Yes, you are. Richard said. If something is interfering with the video coverage, that's a problem. And it's going to land in my lap, not yours. There it was. What Bran had been trying not to step in. Richard was his closest friend, but the size of his ego matched his genius and was easily bruised. Hey, it's not your problem. Not at all. If anything... Richard waved a hand. Just put it in a report and send it up the line. You know the drill. I don't want this anomaly or whatever you think it is getting out of hand and costing me my job. Bran nodded, though he didn't think Richard had anything to worry about. It was Richard's thesis work that had provided the last piece of the puzzle in the equation and made time travel possible. Tempuscorp had recruited him straight out of school because of it. No way they'd ever fire him. Bran, on the other hand, was the expendable one. You're right. I'll write it up tomorrow. The bartender returned. Another round, gentlemen? Dosmas, por favor. Richard said and finished his drink. Bran rolled his quarter across the top of his fingers. Still with that magic crap? Richard said. Bran smiled, then flipped the quarter into the air and grabbed it in his fist. He flashed an open palm to Richard. The quarter was gone. Yes. And one day, when everyone knows who I am... Richard rolled his eyes. I'll be sorry I made fun of you. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it all before. Richard sculpted a jaw with just the right amount of stubble clenched and unclenched in annoyance. Bran wanted to say something more, but turned his attention to the TV instead. The news reporter, a woman with a mane of blonde hair and glittering white teeth, stood outside their workplace in front of a group of protesters. As we approach the long-anticipated release of Event 6, a crowd is gathered here outside Tempest Corp to protest what they call the serious side effects of time travel. A teaser clip for E6 flashed on the screen. You believe this crap? Bran asked, jutting his chin up at the TV. He forced a laugh. Richard snorted. That's my life's work these idiots are complaining about. They don't even understand it, but they'll trash it on national television. We're injuring... Richard mimed air quotes. ...the timeline. Morons! He stopped his rant as the bartender set down their drinks. Bran hadn't finished his first yet, but switched to the fresh one and took a sip. I mean, I work there and I don't even know how it works. My point exactly. Richard waved his glass at the TV. They sure as shit don't know, so how do they know we're doing it wrong? Bran shrugged. Tempest Corp claimed their strict security was in place to keep the public safe. They didn't want Joe Public getting their hands on any company information, building a time machine in their garage, and trying to send themselves through, getting sliced into molecular goo in the process. The magnitude of lawsuits would register on the Richter scale. While Tempest Corp assured everyone their version of time travel was the safest possible, there was a reason they sent back drones and not people. Not that Bran knew exactly what that reason was. A year ago, after six scotches, Richard let slip they employed a fixed-point version of time travel, which allowed small changes, such as the appearance of a couple of drones, to be made before or after a major event, the fixed points and that it could be done without disastrous consequences to the current world. Richard slapped the bar top. 
We're changing lives. Why don't these people get that? Oh, and that guy? He pointed to the TV. He's a real piece of work. The reporter was interviewing one of the protesters, Jag Jacobson, the leader of a local protest group. Not this time. All those waving signs made Bran uncomfortable. He liked his work. Like being a part of something big and popular, but the image he portrayed for his iMedia followers didn't change the truth. Without Tempest Corp, he was just an average guy who'd made mediocre grades in school. Before Richard got him this job, he'd been on his way to editing home videos and dying a slow death from tedium. Bran wanted more out of life. He wanted to do something great, and he wanted all the glory and fame that came with it, except he hadn't been gifted with anything that made him special. Not like Richard. Bran cast a longing glance at his friend and sighed. (sighs) Screw those guys. We are changing the world. Damn right we are. Richard laughed. His head swiveled to watch an attractive brunette in a silk blouse and tight skirt walk past. And I'm part of that. Bran said. I mean... What? Richard asked, returning his attention to Bran. You're a part of it. I'm just the film tech. They're not exactly going to be naming any libraries after me, are they? Nonsense. Richard said. It's your name on the credits, not mine. I'm the one who has to stay anonymous. He lowered his voice. Wouldn't want me getting kidnapped and tortured for what I know, would we? He winked and went on, his speech a little more slurred. Tell you what, next week, you're going to watch E7 with me in the booth. See it unfold right before your eyes. Really? Rich, that would be amazing. I mean, can you do that? Of course I can. Besides, it's not like you're an outsider. You see more of the footage than anyone else. I'm sure it won't be a problem. Richard tipped his glass. You in for another? No, I gotta get going, Bran said. Richard looked crestfallen. I've gotta get in early if I'm gonna have E6 ready for release. I hear you, Richard said. He swigged down the last of his drink. The quarter smacked against his lips. He pulled it out of his glass and held it up. Really? Bran grabbed his coin. I told you. One day, I'm gonna be famous. Richard smirked. For doing old magic tricks? For something special. Richard smirked. Bran finished the rest of his drink in a swallow too big to go down all at once. It burned. He hoped it was only the sting of expensive scotch that brought the tears to his eyes. The next morning at work, Bran pulled the raw footage on the first three events and went through them frame by frame. The anomaly in E1 was barely a blip on the screen and, had he not been looking for it, would have remained unnoticed. It was the same with E2, a mere scratch on the screen, well before Hoffer was even buried. On E3, the static line appeared right as the shot at JFK rang out, and the drone spun in the direction of the shooter. In the blur of the drone's movement, the static line was almost invisible. Bran worked his way forward, freezing each frame and grabbing screenshots. In each event, the anomaly grew larger. If anything occurred on E7, would he see it while watching from the booth? He finished his report and clipped a collage of the photos to the email. He rubbed his eyes. The uneasy feeling he'd had since seeing those images yesterday, along with his worry about his job and Richard's reaction, had kept him up most of the night. But sending the email, knowing he was doing something about it, made him feel better. He returned his attention to E6. Hours later, his watch buzzed. This day was finally over. He was packing up when the office door chimed and an alert lit up on his screen. Someone without security clearance was requesting entrance. He shut down his screens and released the door lock. His boss's assistant, Deborah, stood in the hall. Bram had only spoken to her once before at a company party when she'd made it clear she worked on the 13th floor and did not talk to lowly film techs from the 4th floor. Mr Creasy, Mr Douglas would like to see you. Follow me. All the way home, Bran tried to reassure himself, but the meeting with his boss and his boss's boss had unsettled him. Not to mention the random search that security had conducted on Bran on his way out of the office building. That had never randomly happened before.
The higher-ups in the meeting had reassured Bran that there was nothing unsafe about the time trips and that scientific minds far greater than Bran's would look into it. Bran scowled and bit at his bottom lip. He hopped off the train at his stop and walked up the block. His fingers nervously flipped the quarter in his pocket over and over. Next door to his high-rise was an abandoned building of red brick. His real estate agent had called it charming, and maybe it had been until the local kids decided to redecorate it in neon green spray paint. Bran had walked past the same graffiti for years, random tags, stencil designs, and in bold letters a proclamation that his kingdom come. Bran stopped. Someone had painted over it. He trailed his fingers over the crumbling brick. No, that wasn't right. There wasn't any of the previous paint left. The graffiti had been... altered. The designs were gone, and in orange spray paint were the words, It comes. Bran's stomach twisted into knots. Last night Richard's tie, now this. What the hell was going on? He looked around. Sure this was all some hidden camera prank. He stood on the pavement, alone. His fist tightened around the quarter in his pocket. He needed to talk to someone who would listen. Bran lay awake in the dark, staring up at his bedroom ceiling. Something was off. Richard had reacted badly to the idea of a problem with the time trips, and Tempus Corp was not interested in anything that threatened their bottom line. He needed to talk to someone. Someone with their own doubts about time travel. He tossed aside his sheets, turned on the bedside lamp and grabbed his keyboard. He pulled the hollow screen up and typed Jag Jacobson's name into the search bar. A number of links lined the screen, including Jag's website. Bran clicked on it. He read through Jag's posts. The man had several theories on time travel, none of them good. Bran ran a hand through his knotted hair. One of Jag's earliest posts caught his attention. In it, Jag claimed that he and another member were noticing things, minor things, in their daily lives. He called them alterations, but didn't go into further detail. Bran pulled his comforter around his bare shoulders. Were these alterations the same things Bran had been noticing? There was an email address for Jag. Bran chewed on his fingernails, biting until his cuticles were red and raw. Before he lost his nerve entirely, he typed out a message. Bran introduced himself as a local freelance journalist, said he was interested in interviewing Jag for an expose on the potential fallout of time travel and the corporate greed that drove the machine. He asked if Jag would meet him in person. Bran's finger hovered only a moment. He hit send, then bit into the jagged skin on his forefinger. He clicked on other links and perused their content. For as many people that forked out their hard-earned money to watch the time trips, there were just as many naysayers. He read through a few of the posts, but stopped when he got to the fan fiction, written by someone who longed to meet Gandhi and procreate. Bran couldn't read any more. With a grunt of disgust that scraped against his dry throat, he entered the command to darken the hollow screen. His keyboard dinged softly. He had new mail from Jag. Happy to meet tomorrow, 3pm, under the Alterway Bridge. The message was only a few seconds long, but it filled Bran with terror. What if the time trips were causing a problem? Or worse, what if Tempest Corp found out about his meeting? He would lose his job. Then what? He'd go back to being a nobody. He got up, went into the kitchen and grabbed a six-pack of beer from the fridge. It's not like he'd be sleeping tonight anyway. Bran stood under the Altaway Bridge watching the water. A woman about his age but with short red hair sat on a bench alongside the river walk reading, but no one else was around. Jag hadn't shown. Figures some online rando wouldn't be dependable. Bran paced twirling his quarter in his hand. 
He'd forced two aspirin and a cup of coffee into his sour stomach, but his head still ached. He checked his watch again. 3.06pm. Hello. Bran looked up. The woman from the bench. She was dressed in black, her eyes a startling colour of green and grey. She smiled and held out her hand. He stared at it for a moment before realising she wanted him to shake it. It was an old custom, one he'd only seen in early century movies. He pulled his jaw closed with an audible clack of teeth. You're not... No, I'm not, she smiled. Come on, I'll take you to him. Regret flooded through Bran and made his stomach cramp like he'd eaten day-old sushi. This was a mistake. What the hell was he doing? Clandestine meetings? Unemployment? He felt like a spy. And not the cool kind, but the kind that gets caught and strung up for their betrayal. Bran took a long look around, pocketed his grandpa's coin and hurried after the woman. She stopped in front of an empty building. White paint peeled from the clapboard wood siding, and a faded sign with Goodyear on it hung above a metal door. An old auto parts factory, from back when cars had been a thing. The woman held the door for him. Bran hesitated. Spit gathered in his mouth as last night's beer threatened to lurch its way out of his system. He swallowed and forced himself across the threshold. Inside, sunlight fought its way through grime-covered windows, highlighting dust motes that drifted in the still air. Old machines and silent assembly lines stood in rows, remnants from a time when people worked in such places. Further in, furniture made from upcycled materials took the place of machinery. In a back corner, an array of TVs and computer screens glowed in the stuffy space. On the other side of a wood pallet table, on a plaid-covered sofa sat Jag, legs crossed and smoke from a vintage vape pen drifting into the air above his head. His jet black hair was short and slicked back, and he wore an illegal leather jacket. Animal products had been banned since the 2030s. Jag stood and extended his hand. His grasp was warm and firm. You didn't tell me your name. Yeah, sorry. It's Bran. Shit. Why did I tell him my real name? Have a seat, Bran. Jag indicated a purple chair next to the sofa. We can begin the interview whenever you're ready. Sure, okay. Bran sat and pulled a digital recorder out of his satchel. He looked at Jag, then at the woman. Uh, this is my partner, Marlowe. Jag said. She sees them too. Them? Bran asked. The alterations. You mentioned them in your letter. We've been documenting our experiences. There isn't any trace left of the way things used to be. So, really, there's no proof outside our own observations, but we can start there. Start? Uh, oh, sure. That'd be great. Bran clicked on his recorder and set it on a side table. He rubbed the sweat off his hands onto his pants. For me, it started after the first time trip, Jack said. I was seeing a woman and we watched the event that night, then fell asleep. When I woke up the next morning, her sheets were different. I asked her how she changed them while I was sleeping. It led to a fight and she kicked me out. That's another thing we've noticed. What? Bran asked. When we mention the alterations of people, they get mad, like really upset. No matter who I told, violent opposition. So I find it interesting that you asked about them. Jag raised his eyebrows. Bran stayed quiet. Jag went on. I started poking around online in the day after event three. I found Marlo. Jag smiled at her. Marlo perched on the back of the sofa behind Jag. My first one was the day after event two. I noticed my roommate's cat was gone. I thought she was playing a prank on me, so I started searching the house for the food bowls and the litter box. She accused me of using drugs and suggested I move out. Marlo tapped a finger on her chin. Let's see. The next one was after event three. My best friend's hair color changed and I complimented her on it. She felt my forehead and asked if I was running a fever. Right after that, Jag found me and reached out. We've been in this together ever since. Jag reached up and squeezed her hand. So all the protesters from your group, they can see. Bran said. Jag laughed. <laughs> God, no. Most of them are- He rolled a finger next to his temple. But no one listens when only two people complain, so we let them tag along to the demonstrations. He folded his hands on his lap. You see, Bran, this is how we know the time trips are causing a problem in our world, whether anyone wants to admit it or not. Bran opened his mouth. I know. Jag said. I know what Tempest Corp says about the trips. 
They're failsafe, right? No part of our current timeline can be altered by the minor presence of their drones, but- Jag leaned forward, elbows on his knees. They're lying to us. Bran had not been ready to admit this to himself, even with what he'd seen. And hearing Jag say it out loud made Bran's mouth dry up. He swallowed hard. That's why I'm here. Or why I contacted you, I guess. Last night I couldn't sleep. See, I've talked- seen some things, too, but no one else- Believes you, Jag said. Something like that, yeah. A couple of nights ago, it was my best friend's tie. I'd seen him at work, and he was wearing a black one. But when we met up for drinks later, it was different. I asked him about it. He thought I was drunk. He waited for Jag or Marlow to scoff or laugh or something, but they only waited for him to go on. Then yesterday, there's this graffiti on the building next door to my apartment, and, I don't know, the painting, it was different. His tongue clicked against the roof of his mouth, cutting off the rest of his words. Goosebumps broke out on his arms. This couldn't be happening. He needed his job, needed to be noticed. He didn't want anything to change. He stood. I'm sorry, I should go. I'm not sure why I'm here. Jag looked up at Marlow. Give us a minute, Mar. She leaned over and kissed Jag. Bran turned away, uncomfortable. Then she headed into a back room. The door closed and the muffled sound of music came on. Listen, I I get it, Jag said. I thought I was losing my mind at first, too. So did Marlo, that's why we're here. You think we're the same as those other protesters, right? Just shaking our signs for the news cameras and saying, hooray for our sign. I get it. But you're not crazy and neither are we. Even if we aren't, Bran said. The changes are so small, it's not a big deal. I mean, if no one is getting hurt, who cares? Jag scowled the first unfriendly face Bran had seen on the man. Who cares? I care. Marlo, she cares. It's proof that something is happening. Things are being affected. Changed. Tempest Corp either knows and doesn't care, or they don't know and wouldn't care if they found out. They make billions off this. They aren't going to close up shop because two. Jack pointed at Bran. Three people claim to have seen things. So then what do we do? That's the real shit kicker of it, ain't it? Jack said. Something is happening here and we can't prove it. But what if it gets worse? What if eventually everyone can see the alterations, and by then, it's too late? They use a safe form of time travel. Nothing big can be altered. They don't release shit about how their time travel works. So whatever PR bullshit you've bought into, you need to get real clear about this real quick, my friend. Trouble is standing on our doorstep, and we're the only ones who know it. We don't know anything for sure. Bran snapped. Just because a tide changed or some girl got rid of her cat. It's not major. Not... Important. Not important, Jag repeated. He leaned back and stared hard at Bran for a minute. Come here, let me show you how not important this is. Bran followed Jag over to the screens on the wall. Below them, on a long table, were stacks of sketched pictures and handwritten notes pinned into the wood. I've talked to a lot of people over the past few years, Jag said. There's more to this than you think. Not everyone can see the alteration, sure, but other people have started having these dreams are like nightmares. At first, I thought they were as crazy as the conspiracy theory folk. Jag shook his head. But there were too many of them. It didn't make sense. These people had never met, never spoken to one another. They live in completely different cities, but they were all having the same visions. Look. Jag pointed to an array of the pencil drawings. Bran's heart slammed into his ribcage like a fist to the chest as he flipped through a stack of drawings that had been bound together. Like a children's stop-motion book, the passing pages created a halting movie. Someone had drawn a sideways eye in charcoal, slitted at first, then slowly it opened. A black thing appeared within the slit, and six long legs stretched out. The unholy thing seemed to be trying to pull itself through the ever-widening hole. As Bran reached the last page, a fuzzy shape appeared above the legs, a head, Lost in shadow. Bran pulled his hand back as if the paper had caught fire. He looked at Jag. We can't all be crazy, Jag said. As Jag brutally stripped away the lies Bran had been clinging so hard to, he suddenly felt dizzy. Tempest Corp had lied, then offered him a raise to keep his mouth shut. Anything he did would cost him his job, but worse than that, what if this thing couldn't be stopped? Terror grabbed Bran's spinal cord and squeezed. He couldn't think. This wasn't happening. He was part of something wonderful, a part of history. It wasn't supposed to be like this. I'm not sure... Bran started. 
You don't think this is real? Jag pulls out a binder full of color-coded tabs and pages. I've got almost 50 reports. Bran looked at the binder. There were so many pages. Read some if you don't believe me. Every single one of these people say the dreams began after the first time trip. After event one. Jag pressed a finger on the top page. Explain that. I can't. Bran stared at his shoes. The static line of distortion from the event's footage burned in his mind. He'd seen it. That shadow creature crawling out of the darkness. He hadn't told Jag any of that. This guy didn't even know Bran wasn't a reporter. How could all these people have seen the same thing? It's not possible. He staggered back to the chair and fell into it. Not possible? Christ, how are you not getting this? I'm not one of those crackpot Bible thumpers, and this isn't as simple or as nice as their ended days biblical plague shit. You've got to think bigger than that. Bran couldn't think. His head hurt. He closed his eyes and rubbed at his temples. Every time Tempest Corp sends their cameras back, those people have the same dream again. And they all say the same thing. The hole is getting bigger. You can see there's something beyond it, beyond the veil, and it does not look friendly. Jag sat on the sofa and leaned his entire body towards Bran. Listen to me. I think this is bigger than we could even guess at. Bigger than just the end of life as we know it on Earth. No one can say for sure, but it looks to me like something is, I don't know, tearing apart the fabric of the universe and trying to cross over or something. Do you get what I'm saying? It could mean every planet, every species, every timeline, or alternate version of history, whatever. Jag threw his hands up. All of it gone. Wiped out or eaten by whatever that thing is. Who knows? Those pictures you saw were drawn by a 16-year-old right after event 5. That's only five times. How many more trips do you think it'll take before that thing comes through? Six. Bran said. Jag blinked. What? We've gone back six times. The seventh is scheduled for send back this Friday. How would you know that? Bran sighed. Because I've been invited to watch. When they send the drones out, live from their headquarters. Jag leaned back, his body pressing into the sofa cushions. Who the hell are you, man? I tried to tell them. Bran said. Richard, he... He didn't really want to hear it. He got angry, you know, like you said. So I sent a report up the line. I told them, hell, I showed them, and they didn't care. Bran's eyes burned with hot little needle pricks. His voice dropped to a whisper. You're right. They won't stop. Jag reached over and clicked off the recorder. You can get us into Tempest Corp's headquarters. Bran felt a thousand miles away. How was this happening? I work there. Jag almost smirked. He scooted forward on the cushion. I don't believe this. Who are you? Never mind. I'm not sure I care. Okay, listen. I've been thinking about this for a long time and I have an idea. It could work. If you're willing to try something, maybe we can stop this. He put a fist on Bran's knee and tapped. If you're willing. Bran stared at him, then nodded slowly. I'm not going to lie to you. This could get you killed. You know that, right? Jag asked. This was not the life Bran had signed up for. He did not want this. He thought of Richard, grinning his lopsided smile and knew Something bad was happening, and he could not let it destroy the people he loved. Bran swallowed the knot in his throat. Tell me what to do. Bran scanned his ID badge and headed through the double doors. He waited in the security line and fiddled with his quarter. With a thumb, he slid the coin into his fist and then opened his palm. He pulled the quarter out of his pocket and did it again. He was going to be famous. One day. The security guard waved Bran forward. Bran held his breath and walked through the scanners. The security lines were made for detecting electronics or hidden technology, tools of corporate espionage, nothing as simple as plain old paper. Marlowe's carefully worded message was folded and tucked into an inside pocket of Bran's pants. The inked paper was no longer flashy enough an idea for anyone to care about. Bran's fear grew with every step towards the elevators, and soon it would be big enough to open its gaping maw and swallow him whole. He met up with Richard outside the viewing room. Richard clapped him on the shoulder. You ready, man? 
Our past awaits. Bran tried to chuckle at the joke. Richard had never been very funny. Richard scanned them through the first set of security doors and indicated Bran should do the same. After two more security doors, they were in the viewing room. It was pure luxury. The entire back wall was a video screen where the drone's video feed would show as the event unfolded. Plush sofas formed a semicircle in front of the screen and piled onto serving trays was a selection of the finest liquor, cigars and hors d'oeuvres. On the front wall, a control console spanned the length beneath a huge window that looked out into a warehouse-sized space. Bran's breath snagged in his chest. He was here. It looked like a movie set. The massive room was cluttered with towering stacks of blinking electronics arranged around a table on a centre platform. Richard was talking and pointing at things, but Bran couldn't focus. His head spun. The last anomaly had shown up right across the deadly lightning strike on Earhart's plane. Had the scientists seen it? Maybe only those who noticed the alterations could see it. Had seeing the anomaly made him notice the alterations? Brang raked his tongue across chapped lips. Would sending the message back change things right away? What if he couldn't pull this off? Bran shoved his sweating hands into his pockets. This is great, man. Are those the drones? He jutted his chin at the table in the centre of the time machine room. Yep. Richard said. See those two arms? That's where the power is focused. It'll break down the structure of the drones and... Well, I can't say any more than that. But it's still interesting to watch. The drones are sent through from here. Then we'll open the feed and the footage will show up here. Richard pointed to the video screen wall. It's so different seeing it like this. Bran said. How do you guys set the date and time for the trip? That's all done here, on the console. Oh, you don't go in there? Bran asked. Hell no. It's not safe to go in there. The guys who set up the new drones have to wear special suits. It's a whole thing. New drones? Yeah. Richard said. Once they're sent through, the drones can't come back. They're programmed to head to a predetermined location and hibernate. We get their transmissions right away because, yeah, time travel. He grinned his lopsided grin. Hey, you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Bran wiped his forehead with the back of his hand. May have had too much to drink last night. That's because you drink cheap crap when you're not with me. Gotta stick to the good stuff. Bran made a face. If they didn't catch him and send him straight to prison, he was swearing off the scotch. Be more himself, no matter what people thought. He shifted on his feet. The note felt heavy in his pocket. Wow. (laughs) Special units. So I can't see the drones up close? Definitely not, Richard said. The engineers handle everything in there. He jutted a thumb at one of the men sitting on the sofa. The drones are Samuel's department. Yeah, no, that makes sense, Bran said. Shit. How was he going to get the note onto a drone? They'd gone over Jag's ridiculous plan about a thousand times last night. Bran was supposed to hide the note on a drone, then watch as Richard set the date and location of the trip. A small fire in the trash can with the cigar would clear out and seal the room and allow Bran to reroute the date and location settings. The rest, as Marlowe had said, would be history. Bran hadn't laughed. And now, standing here, he realised the utter stupidity of their plan. No way this was going to work. The red phone on the wall rang. One of the scientists answered it. He held the phone out to Richard. It's for you, Rich. Richard got on the phone. This is Richard. He looked at Bran. Sure, he's right here. The sweat pouring down Bran's back turned cold. They knew. About Jag and Marlowe, about everything. He's our film tech, so I don't think... Yes, sir, of course. He hung up, then walked over to Bran and lowered his voice. Hey, man. They saw you scanned in. I'm real sorry. I thought it'd be okay, but the bosses upstairs said no. Can't stay. Richard must have interpreted the look on Bran's face as disappointment. I'm so sorry, Bran. I cleared it with my boss, but for some reason... No problem, yeah. No, I get it. Bran felt like someone had punched him in the nuts. Would security be waiting for him at the building's entrance? He had to get rid of the note. Maybe he could stop at a bathroom on the way out. A chime sounded. The security monitor above the door showed two large men in security uniforms standing outside. 
They were requesting entry into the viewing room. Shit. Richard pushed a button on the console and the first set of security doors slid open. The two guards moved into the first room and Richard waited for the room to reseal. Bran watched his friend. Richard was a nice guy, a great man. Someone others would miss if he weren't around. Bran had wanted to be there. If he let those security guards escort him out, Richard could die. That would be a problem. Hey, Richard. I'm gonna need you to not do that. Richard's forehead wrinkled. Do what? Bran grabbed a cigar torch and an open bottle of Macallan off the snack tray. He shoved a wad of napkins into the bottle's neck and held the lighter to them. The chatter in the room faded, leaving the quiet hum of electronic equipment in its wake. Bran licked his lips. I'm gonna need you to move your hand off that button. Please. The look on Richard's face had made him add that last word. He looked like he'd just been gutted and stood holding his intestines in his hand. His friend was a genius. He caught on quick. Bran, I don't know what the- I don't have time to explain. But there is a lot of flammable stuff in this room. Please, don't make me hurt anyone. Richard pulled back his hand. The chime sounded again. Bran shot a glance at the security screen. The guards were moving in tight circles in the small room. He shoved the bottle beneath his arm, reached over and snatched Samuel's security badge off his breast pocket. Something's wrong with the time trips. I have proof. Richard's hand darted out. He pressed the button again. The second security door opened and the guards moved into the next room. Shit! Bran yelled. He clicked the torch. A hot blue flame hissed to life. What the hell do you think you're doing? Samuel said. There's priceless equipment in here. You'll- Shut up! Bran said. Richard's hand hovered over the button. As soon as the second room resealed, the next set of doors could open. Richard, you have to believe me. You've got to trust me. Trust you? You've lost your mind. Do you know what they'll do to you? There won't even be a trial, Samuel added. Bran knew all too well what would happen to him. What he didn't know was how far he was willing to take this. He could throw the burning cocktail at the guards, but he didn't want to hurt anyone. He could burn the building down or, or cause damage to the machines, maybe stall the next event, but then what? They would rebuild and eventually... Crap. Richard slammed his hand onto the control console. The third set of doors whispered open and the guards entered. They were bigger in person. They took one look at Bran and reached for their stun guns. Bran took two fast steps and slammed his body against Richard's. His friend went flying onto the ground. Bran whirled and held out the makeshift explosive. Don't move! The guards froze, though they remained crouched, ready to spring. Everyone out, or I swear I'll roast all of you alive! What the hell was he doing? Bran's mind was locked on autopilot, running on pure adrenaline. He looked down at Richard, and tears pushed at the backs of Bran's eyes. He'd spent the last eleven years looking up to his friend. Jealous the entire time that he wasn't as good-looking or smart or successful. He was just a film tech, an average guy making average life choices. All right, Bran, don't do anything you'll regret, okay? One of the guards said. Bran sucked in air. They knew his name. He had been flagged. I won't tell you again. Everyone out. He flicked the lighter on again. The guards ushered the other employees out of the room. They clustered in the first small exit room, but the guards made no move to leave. Bran's hands shook. He lit the cocktail napkins. You two, both of you, out now! One of the guards stepped back, his arms out wide in protection of the precious scientists. Bran slammed his fist onto the button and the doors hushed shut. He, one guard and Richard remained. Bran pulled the burning napkins out of the bottle and threw them onto the sofa. The fabric began to smoke. He held the bottle over the flames. Bran, stop, Richard said. Think about what you're doing. You've already ruined your life. You set that sofa on fire and we all die. Bran knew it too. Every employee did. Any room where fire was detected automatically sealed itself. There was no rescue plan for anyone trapped in those rooms. Profit over life. It's what was best for Tempest Corp. Well. Prophets be damned. The time trips were tearing holes in their lives. Pran smirked at the irony. What was best for Tempest Corp is that it never existed. Bran, Richard said. 
Bran looked over. He imagined how he must look to his best friend, a grinning madman ready to kill them all. Richard would never know that Bran was doing this to save his life. This was the way Richard was going to remember him. Richard might live, but it was going to cost Bran everything he cherished. Bran pulled the note out of his back pocket and tossed it onto the console. Richard, I know you don't understand why I'm doing this. Bran's throat tightened. But I need you to enter the date and location on that paper into the machine and start it up. No, I I won't. Bran poured a small amount of alcohol around the smoking embers of the sofa. It caught and a spout of fire leapt up. Do what I told you. The security guard took a step forward. Bran reached down and flipped the cushion. The fire began to burn the back of the sofa and dark smoke trickled up. I'm not messing around! The guard stepped back. He nodded at Richard. Richard pulled open the folded note and read it. This is insane. What is this? Bran poured more alcohol onto the spreading fire then grabbed another bottle off the table. He held them over the sofa. A little more and the fire alarm triggers. Okay, all right. Richard entered the information on the note into the system. He entered several codes and swiped his badge. I need another badge to confirm the request. Bran used Samuel's badge on the console. A female computerized voice sounded the countdown. Bran then swiped the engineer's badge at the door to the time machine room. It slid open. Bran snatched the note off the console and stepped backward into the other room. He would have to fix this before Richard and the guard burned alive. I'm so sorry, Richard. I wish there was more time to explain. He shook the liquor out, tossed the bottle, then swiped the badge on the outside panel. The door hissed. The security guard launched himself through the closing door. He caught Bran around the middle and they hit the floor. Bran clawed at the guard's face with one hand and then swung a fist up. It caught the guard on the chin. The man grunted but remained on top of him. He pinned Bran's arms down so Bran leaned in and bit the guard on the shoulder as hard as he could. The guard yelled. Blood soaked through his uniform. The guard's grip loosened enough for Bran to slide out from beneath him. He scrambled to his feet and ran to the table where the drones were. The countdown continued to sound. Eleven. Ten. Nine. Bran had to get the note attached. He ran around to the other side of the table and grabbed one of the drones. His hands were slick with sweat and alcohol. The smell of burning fabric clung to his skin. Eight. Seven. The guard slammed into the table, sending the edge into Bran's gut. Bran grunted. The drone slipped from his damp hands and crashed onto the floor. He heard the plastic shatter and slide away. Five. Bran reached for the other drone. The guard was quicker. He grabbed the drone and threw it. The man flashed a wolfish grin. Four. Bran stared in disbelief. Behind the guard, the viewing room had filled with black smoke. Red flames licked at the glass. Richard's face was contorted in terror. His friend was going to burn alive and there was nothing Bran could do about it. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. One day, Bran was going to be famous. He pulled the quarter from his pocket. Two. He flicked the quarter into the air. The guard's attention went with it, his eyes caught on the spinning coin. One. Bran threw himself across the table, reached up and caught the coin in midair. The most magnificent pain he'd ever felt ripped through him as something tore into his right side, then his left side, as if two giant hands had grabbed both sides of his body and were pulling him apart. The last thing he heard was the wail of the fire alarm, a high, shrill scream that sounded very human. Then, Bran vanished. Stone and grit dug into Bran's cheek. His entire body throbbed. He was sure every bone in his body was broken, every molecule of himself ground to dust. Sound filtered in through the agony. Someone was yelling. Red and blue lights flashed around him. Hands pulled him from the rough pavement. Pain crashed over him like a tidal wave, and he let the undertow pull him into darkness. Bran woke to the sound of beeping, as steady and persistent as breath. Breath, breathing, he inhaled deeply. The harsh smell of chlorine and the faint whiff of body odour filled his nose. He pulled apart his sticky eyelids. He was in a bed, in a room. A woman dressed in white stood nearby. 
She turned, saw him watching her and nearly dropped her clipboard. You're awake! Hi there! Bran didn't know her. He closed his eyes. I'll go get the doctor. Be right back. The doctor's hands were soft. He pulled Bran's eyelids up and shone a light into his eyes that made his headache. Bran blinked to clear the spots from his vision. Where am I? You're in the hospital, son. You took a rather nasty fall. The doctor shared a look with the nurse. What's today? Thursday, October 13th, the nurse said. She patted his arm. Bran blinked again. The 13th. That wasn't the right. If he had travelled back, it should be... 2081? Yes, that's very good, the doctor said. Bran sighed. He'd done it. Can you tell me your name, son? Brand... Don... Brand... Brandon... Uh... Copperfield. Why not, Bran thought. He'd pulled off the greatest disappearing act of all time. That's great, the doctor said. Seems your memory is intact. Am I okay? You came in with a scrape on your cheek, but otherwise appear to be in perfect health. We'll run some more tests on you now that you're awake, but we aren't sure yet what caused the coma. Bran knew. He was the first person to endure a time trip. And if he could pull off the rest of the plan, hopefully the last. He'd come back to when he and Richard were in college. Richard? Bran tried to sit up. His muscles bellowed in protest. Now, now, the nurse said. She laid him back down and adjusted his pillow. You've been in bed for two weeks. We'll get you up and moving, but it'll take some time. Time. Bran almost laughed. A week of pain medication and light physical therapy later, Bran was able to move and walk again. He woke in the night, dressed in the change of clothes the nurse had given him and slipped out of the hospital. He walked with a limp, but given what he'd been through, he considered it a small cost. It took him three more days, but Bran had found her and told her everything. They sat in a booth in the back corner of the tav. Her eyes were the same startling green and grey that he'd first seen eleven years from now. The waiter stopped at their table and dropped off their drinks. Bran grabbed his beer and took a hearty swig. It was cold and tart. Thanks for meeting me here, Marlo. Could hardly stay away after what you've told me, now could I? You like scotch? He pointed to her glass. Not really, but it's better than beer. She shrugged and smiled at him. Bran smiled back. <laughs> Shall they say? Marlo leaned in and lowered her voice. Is that him over there? Her eyes darted towards two men sitting at the bar. One of them flipped a quarter in the air and caught it in his fist. Yeah, the tall one with the light hair. That's Richard. And the other guy is... You. Marlo whistled softly through her teeth. You look older now, but yeah, I see it. I wanted you to see them for yourself. So you'd believe me. Everything I've told you is true. Bran chuckled. <laughs> we had a plan to send a note. It was ridiculous. Never would have worked. But you were certain. Back, forward. Bran clucked his tongue. When I met you, that we could convince you. Marlo shifted her gaze back to Bran. So what happened? What happened what? To the note? Bran laughed. It's safe to say things didn't go exactly. According to plan. He spread his hands. Here I am. I guess I was right. Bran lifted an eyebrow. Me from the future. I was right. Her grey-green eyes twinkled. I do believe you. Marlowe slid from the booth and headed over to where Richard and Bran's younger self sat at the bar. Tomorrow, Bran would take care of the mathematics lab on campus. A Molotov cocktail through a window should do the trick. The irony tickled him. That would handle Richard's thesis work and Marlowe... She would handle Richard. Bran sighed, reached into his jacket pocket and pulled out his grandpa's quarter. It was a blackened, twisted spiral of metal now. He tossed it into the air and caught it in his fist. When he opened his hand, the quarter lay on his palm. Bran couldn't bring himself to do the old trick anymore. He'd pulled off the biggest one of all. He'd travelled through time and changed the world. Too bad no one would ever know it. He glanced over his shoulder. Marlow leaned on the bar next to Richard, chatting with him. A pang of jealousy rang through Bran.
he was going to live the rest of his life without his best friend. Bran had told Marlowe everything she needed to know to get close to Richard, to become his friend or his lover either way. If Richard tried to recreate the work Bran was going to destroy tomorrow, she could step in. Bran had only hope that he'd stopped time travel, for now at least, and sent the shadow creature back into its hole. Only time would tell. He grabbed Marlowe's drink and swigged it whole. It burned all the way down. He hoped it was only the sting of scotch that brought the tears to his eyes. Then, Bran dropped the damaged coin into the empty glass, pulled his hat on low over his eyes, and vanished out the door.